Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now let the show begin. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is your host, Don McCauley. Today we're welcoming program author David Amarine, and he is the author of Push It to Move It, Lessons Learned from a Career in Nuclear Project Management. Before I bring in today's guest, a quick reminder that selected interviews are available in our iPhone app, which can be downloaded in the App Store, as well as on TV on the Roku channel and Amazon Fire TV. Our app name on all platforms is simply The Author Show. David, how are you? Great. Good to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Well, I went to the Naval Academy for my undergraduate work and then was in the nuclear submarine force before uh, getting out and spending uh, basically 45 years in the nuclear industry. Half of it was uh, with the Department of Energy and the other half commercial nuclear. So tell us about your book. Well, this book is about my experiences in the nuclear industry, particularly as a troubleshooter. I think the experiences I had and the lessons I learned from mistakes as well as successes could be of use to others who may find themselves in similar situations, really regardless of the industry or the endeavor. So who did you write your book for specifically? Who's your target audience? This book can serve as a vital resource for leaders and managers at all levels in many industries and situations. The book is geared to help them bring out the best not only in themselves, but others, particularly in the midst of crises or significant changes. Now, all leaders or managers benefit from an honest insight shared by people who've been there, done that, in mission-critical roles. I have experience leading the recovery of complex technical projects and plants that found themselves in some degree of extremis, and I want to share those lessons learned. So could you say there's any type of central message or perhaps underlying theme that you would say runs throughout your book? Well, the central theme of my book is about keys to managing people in very complex, high visibility, high anxiety situations. I provide insights learned over 45 years in an industry that is under intense public scrutiny as well as government scrutiny and it has demanding requirements. In particular, I talk about how to develop and nurture a safety-conscious work environment, an area in which I am considered an authority. To my knowledge, there is not another book on that subject. So if you had to choose, what would you say is the single most important idea you're sharing in your book that's really going to add value to the reader's life? The most important message is how people involved in any endeavor should be treated. This understanding of the proper treatment of people can benefit many aspects of one's life. It's important that the leader of an endeavor set the example and the tone. He or she needs to clearly set expectations and then repeat them often, looking for opportunities to reinforce those expectations by example and reward. As I mentioned in the book, a smart man learns from his mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I want to give my readers that opportunity. So if you compare your book with any book out there we might already be familiar with, which book would it be and why? I hope my book is a complement to either Larry Bossidy's book on strategy entitled Confronting Reality 
or Richard Horwath's book on strategic thinking called Strategy for You, or finally, a book called Learning Journeys. That's by Marshall Goldsmith and Beverly Kay. So why did you write this book? Well, I was encouraged to write this book by a number of colleagues in the nuclear industry. They knew I had been in a leadership role for the recovery of several major nuclear projects with schedule and cost challenges, as well as two nuclear power plants shut down by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission for operational and management difficulties. In particular, a lady named Billy Gard, who's a foremost employee rights lawyer, knew no one had written about the difficulties in establishing and nurturing a safety-conscious work environment, and she had seen me do that several times. Additionally, my wife Cindy also thought the book would be a good idea. Without her support, I could not have achieved the career I had, and this book is dedicated to her. So why did you include the sections on growing up in Ohio and going to the Naval Academy and serving in the submarine service? Well, frankly, I was going to eliminate those sections, but then I read a book by Malcolm Gladwell called The Outliers, in which he said reviews of successful people or even successful teams often overlook their early formative years. I have to admit it was enjoyable uh, reminiscing about the things that provided the basis for how I approached my career and challenges. Ultimately, I concluded that all the experiences I have over time, including those anecdotes from the formative years and the submarine service, provided a foundation for my civilian career and challenges. In sharing those experiences, I hope that encourages the reader to more fully understand their own journey. And finally, those recollections were fun. And I've always said in giving talks and speeches, first, hook them with humor. Can you give us an example of a challenge that you overcame and what you learned from it? The challenge I faced repeatedly was gaining people's trust as the new leader when I came into situations where trust was already low. Now, trust is hard won and easily lost. I found the main ingredient in gaining trust is visibility in the workplace and communicating values at every opportunity, in small groups, in large groups, and even one-on-one. -on -one. The main thing I learned is you must demonstrate those same values in your actions. I also learned, by the way, that listening, active listening, is the most valuable communication skill of all. Additionally, I came to believe the three most powerful things a leader can say are, I was wrong, I am sorry, and thank you. Now, if you're saying the first two too often, you need to re-examine how you're going about things. But you can never say the third one often enough. So given everything that's going on today in regards to nuclear power, how would you advise students who want to study and pursue careers in that area? Well, there are a variety of disciplines like mechanical engineering and electrical engineering, as well as nuclear engineering, that contribute to the success of a nuclear project or plant. Now, actually, that can be said about any complex technical endeavor. It takes many capabilities to succeed. So it really depends on where the student's interests lie. By the way, I advise new college freshmen to treat college as a job. Get up in the morning and go to work. When not in class, don't go back to your room or goof off, but rather go to the library and or some other place conducive to study and do your work assignments. 
in the end, you will do better than your contemporaries who waste time and then have to crash and burn for exams or term papers. Also, this approach will develop good habits that will serve you well in the work environment. So what are some of the habits that helped you succeed? Here are the traits that I told people when I came into those new situations I mentioned that I look for in a teammate. And I considered everybody from, from the janitor to my vice presidents as teammates. And I think I practiced these to be successful. Number one, work hard. Don't waste precious time. Number two, be thorough. Seek to understand things beyond their boundaries. Number three, be aggressive. Volunteer for the tough assignments. And number four, perhaps most important, keep things in perspective. Have a sense of humor, because that helps with that, keeping things in perspective. I also counseled people that perfection is the number one enemy of progress. Prepare the best that you can then make a decision and move forward. The streets are littered with indecisive squirrels. So what do you know now that you would tell your 30-year-old self? Oh, I like that question. Well, I would tell that first of all, you need to really understand and set your life priorities and then keep them in proper balance. For me, it was faith, health, family, and work in that order. Also, I would advise somebody, focus on relishing the important moments, most of which have to do with family and friends. And finally, if you can, find a way to give back to your community. What's been your most rewarding experience since publishing this book? Well, perhaps the most gratifying thing for me was the number of endorsements the book received from stalwarts in the industry. Also, the book signings were very rewarding. I, I did not expect the turnout or the interest that the book generated. It was good to see that people were actually interested in the things that I had to say. Another warm fuzzy, by the way, has been feedback from former colleagues and even strangers who liked the book. And in some cases, they had uh, questions or suggestions that uh, resulted in some thought stimulation for me. Now, did your environment or upbringing play any major role in your writing? As I explained in the first part of the book, I was very, very fortunate to have grown up in a small town in Ohio at the time I did. At that time, Ohio had one of the best public school systems in the country, and Sandusky was one of the best in Ohio. Additionally, I explained the expectations my parents had of their children and also how the community at that time reinforced those expectations. And I was very, very fortunate to go to the Naval Academy and serve in the Nuclear Submarine Force. All of these experiences taught me at an early age leadership skills in a technical environment. So how would you describe your writing style? Well, as I mentioned earlier, this is my first book, and I tried to explain that in the prologue, that my perspective about writing a book is like creating music or a painting. It requires underlying construction. And my approach was to determine what aspect of the overarching theme I wanted to address in each section. Then I would outline the salient points, and then that was followed by filling in the details. And then most importantly, I, I would set that, that section aside, and I would come back to it later and make changes that I thought clarified or enhanced the message as I originally wrote it down. So what part of this book would you say you personally like best? 
Well, of course, the reminiscing part in the first, say, fourth of the book was a lot of fun. However, the most gratifying part of the book was accounting for the recovery of the license to operate nuclear fuel services. Nuclear fuel services is our nation's only source of nuclear fuel for the submarines and aircraft carriers in our Navy. Obviously, this was a tremendous responsibility. It provided an opportunity to use all the methods I had learned over the career and to see all those things fit together. Writing down all the approaches that we invoked at Nuclear Fuel Services and reviewing how it all fit together really felt good. It was quite rewarding. In your opinion, who should buy your book? Well, I think managers, executives, and leaders at all levels could find some very useful tips in this book to help them succeed. And that's not limited to the nuclear industry, by the way. My sincere desire is to provide insights on how to lead people and manage situations in order to avoid serious problems in the first place. The book provides approaches on developing and nurturing a safety-conscious work environment and establishing guidelines for conduct of business. Both of these are uniquely useful in leading and managing in high-stakes environments. So where can readers find out more about you and your book? The best thing that people have approached me is through LinkedIn, and um, I've gotten back to them. And the book is explained uh, in my, my part of the uh, LinkedIn Internet. Could you spell your name for us, please? My uh, last name is spelled A-M-E-R-I-N-E. This has been just great. Our guest today has been David Amerine, and he is the author of Push It to Move It, Lessons Learned from a Career in Nuclear Project Management. David, thanks very much for being with us today. It's very much my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is Don McCauley wrapping up another edition of The Author Show. Go out there, buy the book today, and please share this interview with your friends so that they, too, have the opportunity to discover our guests and their work. The Author Show can be accessed at any time at theauthorshow.com. Selected interviews can also be found on major platforms like Amazon Fire TV, the Roku Channel, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and many more. And whether you're an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search of new books to read, The Author Show is a great place to start. Check us daily as we continue to introduce wonderful authors of very interesting books on The Author Show. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. Theauthorsshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.